What's the first thing you remember reading? The first thing I remember reading on my own was the local newspaper, the old-fashioned kind that left ink stains on my hands. I probably read Corduroy or A Curious George Story first, out loud to my parents. But it's the newspapers I poured over as I ate my morning Cheerios that marked the line in my mind between not reading and reading. The newspaper is probably what I remember most because it's what enabled me to be a part of my parents' conversations about what was happening in our hometown of Little Rock, Arkansas, and the broader world. Those conversations happened around the dinner table every night and intensely after church on Sunday over lunch. They happened on the way to school and on the way home from ballet class, before brownies meetings and after softball games. In other words, they happened all the time. Knowing what was in the newspaper meant I didn't have to wait for my parents to explain everything to me. I could ask questions to start conversations about the world, too. Best of all, the newspaper helped hide how much honey I poured on top of my Cheerios. My mom wouldn't let me have sugary cereal growing up, and more on that later. And so I improvised, adding far more honey than likely would have been in any honeyed cereals. Thankfully, my mom never caught on. I was very fortunate growing up. My main worries were things like trying to get my mom to relax her ban on sugary cereals, figuring out how to stick a clay honeycomb or paper mache Jupiter or clay and popsicle stick coral reef to poster board for various science projects, how to sell more Girl Scout cookies than I did the year before, and whether my best friend Elizabeth and I would sleep at her house or my house Saturday night. I never doubted that I would have a roof over my head, a school to go to, enough to eat, books and newspapers to read a safe neighborhood to play in, and a doctor to see if I got sick. My parents and grandparents made sure I knew I was lucky. I don't remember a time not knowing the life story of my mom's mom, my grandma Dorothy. By the time she was eight, my grandma Dorothy's parents had abandoned her twice, often leaving her hungry and alone in their Chicago apartment. The first time was when she was three years old. Ultimately, they sent her to live with her grandparents in California. When she became a teenager, her grandparents told her she was no longer welcome in their home, and that since she was old enough to get a job and support herself, she had to leave. If she hadn't found a job working in someone else's home, she would have been homeless. If her employers hadn't supported her determination to go to school, she would have had to drop out. As a teenager, she constantly worried about whether she would have a roof over her head, be able to go to school, or have enough to eat. My grandmother always talked very matter-of-factly about her memories of being hungry and scared as a child. Knowing her story helped me be aware that some of the kids that I knew at Forest Park Elementary, Booker Arts Magnet School, or Horseman Junior High likely had to worry about whether there would be enough to eat that day and whether it would be safe to play outside when they got home. Less than 25 years before I was born, Horseman was a school only for African-American students. Back then, schools were segregated by race in Arkansas, as they were across much of the South until the late 1950s. And the schools white kids went to had more and better resources, like nicer classrooms, more books, newer desks, and fancier playgrounds. The wounding legacy of segregation and growing up knowing adults who had worked for civil rights and equal opportunities for African Americans was part of what made me understand that many kids in my community and around the world were still treated differently because of the color of their skin. My mother's work on behalf of girls and women, first in Arkansas and later around the world, helped me understand how being born a girl is often seen as reason enough to deny someone the right to go to school or to make her own decisions, even about who and when to marry. Long before I turned 18 and started voting, 
Really, for as long as I can remember, my parents expected me to have an opinion or point of view about everything, truly everything. What I experienced, what I learned in school, and what I saw or read about in the news. They also expected me to be able to back up my views with facts and evidence, and, if I could, to work to change things that frustrated me. It never seemed to matter how old or young I was. And it wasn't just my parents. My grandparents felt the same way. As my grandma Ginger, my dad's mother, often told me before she passed away when I was 13, Chelsea, you've been blessed, and you need to always be thinking about how to expand the circle of blessings. My grandma Dorothy repeatedly told me, you'll never know until you try.